Hamilton podcast. This is kind of a reboot of the official Simple House podcast. We are recording our very first few episodes, and um, today we want to talk about Laura's conversion. And I think it's kind of interesting uh, from vantage point of that we're now both parents, and you're always wondering what you can do for your kids to help them in life, give them meaning, give them faith, but also. It helps to hear people talk about not just their initial conversion, but all the different times in life where maybe they popped up to a new level, um, had a huge insight about God or lived a new way, and um, kind of encourages us all to get those hard-fought conversions and blessings, really. Um, I also think there's something, I kind of like this idea of starting with Laura's conversion because it kind of gets it out of the way. Like I, I kind of get annoyed when I go to spiritual talks or conferences where it's like, and now we're going to hear the speaker's conversion again. And it's like, has nothing happened to you in the last 20 years yeah. to be talking about besides your initial <laughs> conversion? Right. Um, but they are interesting at times. So let's get Laura's conversion. Um Laura, we've been friends for how long? Since 2002? I think that's or right. Three? Right. No, and, 2002, I guess. Yeah. And where would, and so a long time, mm -hmm. uh, probably for part of your, covering a big part of your story. But mm -hmm. when would you say was like when you first started taking the faith more seriously or converted? Sure. Um, so I had uh, my junior year of high school. I had this like moment that really stands out to me. Um, before that, like my family is uh, Catholic. I grew up going to church. I was even like active um, in the youth group as like one of my extracurricular things. Um, but I uh, went to a pro-life march with uh, some of my uh, friends from school. And um, um, I want to interrupt here for a second um, because I'm about to describe a really pivotal point in my life, um, but I'm not meaning to underplay the fact that like my parents are amazingly generous people. Um, they were really great and wonderful adults like at my home parish um, that were really uh, encouraging me. I had uh, great teachers in high school, um, especially two religion teachers, Mrs. J and Mrs. Wilging. And like these people were, you know, part of like my conversion, but, uh, they, they, they were like waking up my faith in me, um, and like helping me have eyes to see. Um, but it, it was important that they were there leading up to the moment I'm about to talk about right now. I, uh, went to a pro-life march with, uh, some of my, uh, friends from school and, um, I, uh, met a Franciscan friar there and it was snowing outside. There was like snow and ice and slush on the ground and he was wearing sandals. And I was struck by how weird that was. And um, I just felt like I had to go talk to him. And so I went and I started asking him questions and uh, he um, was, uh, you know, explaining how they beg for food and they wear sandals and they walk everywhere and they're totally, you know, uh, rely on God's providence. And um, I had never heard anything like this or encountered anything like this. And I was like amazed and found it kind of irresistible. Um, so one of the questions he asked me was if I prayed the rosary. And at, <laughs> at that time of my life, I was like, no, <laughs> um, that was not you know, I, I knew like my grandmother prayed the rosary and, you know, but that, that was not something that appealed to me. Um, 
and um, I went home and I could not stop thinking about this meeting and something moved me to pray a rosary that night and the following night and the following night. And um, can I ask you, like, what mm -hmm. was it about the meeting? Like, had you never seen someone live such voluntary poverty before? Was it like his disposition yeah. or what was it? Sure. Yeah. I think it was like, I, I, I didn't know people were like living the Christian life that way. Right. Like I think my, what I had sort of at that point gathered about the Christian life was, you know, like youth group and pizza, that type of thing or whatever. And, um, so you'd heard of St. Francis, but maybe you hadn't seen someone trying to really emulate no, St. Francis. Not at all. And even, um, you know, I grew up going to public school and uh, then for high school, my parents wanted me to get like some kind of <laughs> real Christian formation. And um, that was when I, I, in high school, I was like, I had never heard of a martyr until I went to high school. I like, there was like a lot of stuff I didn't know about the faith. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I had never met anyone that was like living like that. And, um, I just also thought like, you know, there was like, he had kind of like a fire or something, you know, that, that it was attractive. It was appealing and whatever it was like, I wanted it, you know? Um, Do you know who this guy is? Like, I feel like we kind of know who the CFRs are a little bit. We even have a friend who became yeah. a nun of them. Right. But do you actually a, have you ever tracked down which friar it is? He, uh, primitive order, you know. Have you heard oh, of? Oh, it's not guys? CFR. It's, no. it's the mm -mm. FPOs or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, which FPO is friars of the primitive, primitive observance, order. and I think observance. they're based out of Boston. Yeah. 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 So I I like prayed the rosary for a few days, and it was like I felt this peace that was from without you know like i'd never felt that and i felt like jesus was talking to me um and just like a, a weird thing that happened i was like i have to talk to this guy again um and the only um i knew his name and he had told me that from the pro-life march they were going to walk to mount saint mary's so uh this is like i i like found a phone number for, for people mount saint who mary's. don't know he was walking from the capital to Mount St. Mary's. Yeah. Right. And that is a long, long way. <laughs> um, is that like, how far is that in a car? Hour and a half drive. <laughs> okay. So, so it yeah. could easily be 60 miles. Yeah. Uh, okay. No, it, it is. I'm sure it is. Um, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to. I got to talk to this guy again, and I know he was going to Mount St. Mary's. So I just found a number, uh, like a phone number for like, the university, like, I don't know what office, like the main office. And I'm going to call and ask for this priest that is like not a part of the university at all, you know? And uh, so I call and I'm like, could I, um, his name is uh, like Francis Kelly. So I was like, could I talk to Father Francis Kelly? And the woman on the phone is like, excuse me, Father Francis Kelly? Like, you know, she has no idea who he is. Um, and I was like, yes. And I'm about to start explaining like who I'm trying to, and she was like, oh, he's right here. 
Wow. And it was like he was. <laughs> and by the way, there's probably like no fear that Father Francis Kelly will ever see this because the FPOs would probably never touch right, the internet, yeah. right? So, and we can, if you do yeah. see it, thank you. Um, but okay. uh, so, uh, right. So then, this is like for people who aren't Catholic. This is like meeting a Catholic Amish person. Yeah, exactly. With, with different with different attributes, they have a different yeah. style, but yeah. I mean, for people that are Catholic, right? Because I I don't right. Who knows about these guys? Uh, not that many people, but so um, I got his information, and we exchanged a couple letters, and he uh, told me uh, in one of his letters he had had this like dream job at a newspaper, like it was like the job he had always wanted. He had this dream job, and uh, like he felt like he wanted something more and he Do left you know this what job newspaper to be, it was? I, I don't remember, you know, I, I wish I had those letters. It was like okay, the New York sure. times or something. Like it was like a big, I, I think it was a, a big deal. And, um, yeah. So I, this, this was just like shocking, you know, this guy gets his dream job and, um, and leaves it to, you know, become poor. <laughs> um, so this, this was like, uh, had a big impact on me and I, I started praying more. And I, I think through this experience, I, like, I, I took my faith, like, like it was like an important part of my life or something, but it, it was through this that I was like, it has to be all for Jesus. Like, that's the only way, like it has to be all for Jesus. And I, it, it was like through meeting him that I. So we you, met you probably know. a few years after that, like just a couple mm-hmm. years after that, I think. And mm-hmm. you were at, um, Catholic University of America, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And it seemed to me there was another Franciscan there, Father Bob. Yeah, Father Bob Schlageter. He was the right. campus He's, minister. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to have the place really going great, you know, for campus yeah. ministry and places like that. And did you choose it because of that or you just happened to show up there? No, I, I, so I was like, okay, well, I guess I should go to a Catholic college i had not wanted to before that but i you know have this experience i'm like well i want to keep like growing in my faith and so i i applied to like five catholic schools and like at the last minute before like the deadline (laughs) i decided i was almost certainly going somewhere else and then last minute i decided catholic you based on i don't even know what but i knew nothing about the campus ministry or anything yeah so when I met you, you were probably a sophomore mm-hmm. and we met because we both were doing, how about you explain it? What were we doing when we met? So we were both volunteering at um, a place called Exodus. We were doing like uh, Bible studies with inner city kids on Thursday nights um, in a pretty rough neighborhood and visiting some of their families. Um I have a feeling like most of my work with Exodus was visiting the families. I did some Bible study. Yeah. I have a feeling that yeah. we were partners visiting families. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, we and were. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we're going door to door in uh, the hood, basically in public housing after dark, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh, knocking on doors, meeting the moms of the kids, going to the Bible study, and we got to know each other. And um, yeah, and you you just seemed to be doing great. Like you were at you were in what they called the house, which was like for student campus ministry. Yeah, campus ministry, yeah. Right. And I I uh 
Exodus was like another thing that I felt like God like placed in my life, like very specifically, you know, um, as a part of my growth. But it, I just when it, it was like a pretty wild ministry, like it was like yeah. Yeah. not safe, <laughs> you yeah. know, and it was like really um, I think like I learned a lot about like praying and trusting in the Lord because it was like it was wild <laughs> going well, into yeah, this neighborhood. Maybe we have to do a podcast on Exodus <laughs> at some point. It no longer yeah. exists, but it was like we got, yeah. all got in this Winnebago and drove <laughs> yeah. into the public housing after dark yeah. in the winter. And then yeah. like we had these people we called Pied Pipers who walked down the street and all the kids would chase them yeah. <laughs> for these Bible studies in the basement yeah. of the project. Yeah. And then we were friends yeah. with like most of the people in the projects and stuff. And it was just, yeah. it was, it was kind of, it was like, you didn't think it was possible until you saw it. Yeah. And it, it was, it was awesome. But I mean, the Bible like, studies were such you had to have bouncers because yeah. you were kicking kids out. And then you had someone standing yeah. outside the door, keeping the kids from reentering and trying yeah. to be their friends outside the At door. At the same time. Right. right. Yeah. And like kids literally hung from pipes on the ceiling. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And if you could keep their attention for 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, you were an all star teacher. Yeah. Yeah. It you know was right. I mean? Exactly. If, if yeah. you could keep it going for 15 minutes before it degenerated into just chaos and yeah. craziness, you were doing great, but it was fun. Yeah. Right. That yeah. makes it sound crazy, but it was actually quite fun. It, it was awesome. It, and the kids um, were awesome. Yeah. But I, I started going there in high school and it was like the first time I had seen the projects really. And it was like, it was a little bit shocking. You know, you'd be sending these kids home at night with a sandwich. And I remember, you know, like I was 18 and I, like having kids like say things like, do not send me home, please. You don't know what it's like there. And like, it, you know, it was really shocking. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't have an experience yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, so what's the next, so what's the next turning point? Would you say? Okay. So, um, I'm in college. I'm kind of getting this like great formation in large part, thanks to this, you know, good, good campus ministry and, um, father Bob and the other priests that are there. And, um, I, can I say so something? The, I think yeah. something that'll come up later was I felt like when you were in the campus ministry, we both, when we talk, would kind of talk about this idea, not wanting to just be like a Jesus kid. You yeah. know, I was a little, I yeah. was already out of college at the time, but you would talk about yeah. like wanting to have friends who were, you know, punk rockers and atheists yeah. and things like this. Right. Yeah. Cause it was very easy in that setting to want to just be with all these like really exceptional kind of mm -hmm. cool Catholics, you know? Yeah. And there was definitely a click, you know, right. and, um, there were some people that were like fighting the click, right? Like you didn't want to be this exclusive collection of like kids being awesome at being Catholic. Um, and there were a lot of people happy to be in the click, you know? And, uh, so that, that was like a, I feel like a struggle, you know, uh, I, I don't know, like, it, yeah, it, it was something I was aware of and other students were aware of too. Um, Right. Yeah. Um, so after you graduate, unless you want to say more about that. Um, well, while I was still in college, like you, um, you know, uh, were discerning, like leaving your job and starting yeah, a simple house. So that, that was, house. yeah, that was, and you know, you were kind the great of major sounding board for all that, yeah. which I don't mm -hmm. know if that was an important moment in your conversion, but it was no, an important totally. moment in mine. Yeah. Yeah. Or it was like, uh, 
kind of important moment in my uh, Christian, you know, development. And I think um, uh, during that time, I kind of thought like the the Christian has to like be focused on the poor, like in a special way, you know, and, and the poor are special <laughs> to God in a very specific way, you know, and um, so I think that was important. Um, and because you understood the ministry better than anyone else, uh, you were the first chairman of the board of Simple House. Yeah, don't even want to say how weird. young you yeah. were. <laughs> Not yet twenty, <laughs> chairman of the board. Uh, right. uh, so you did that role for a while until your your dad actually took over that role. Yeah. Uh, but then, um, a couple. How long was it after college when you finally moved in to the T Street house for Simple House? Yeah. So. Okay, I, I just backtrack one more thing. Um, so I was like trying to like do the campus ministry thing and like grow in my faith and everything, but I was also like hanging out and like going to parties and bars and stuff in college. And uh, so I had this kind of split thing going on, maybe, I don't know. And uh, so when I graduated, I had this plan that I was like gonna like travel in Europe and then like go surf in Costa Rica and all this stuff. And um, I uh, worked during the summer after I graduated. Then I went like in the fall, spent the fall like hanging out <laughs> in and Europe and then go ahead. What was happening at Simple House at the time was there'd been these historic Catholic workers that were in row houses. Right near U Street or which is kind of for those people who don't know DC as well is kind of it's kind of near the nightlife Adams Morgan area but it's also like on the outer reaches of like the DuPont Circle like revival so these right. houses were bought like in the 80s were very poor houses were homeless shelters basically but yeah. come like the year uh we're talking like 2002 no we're talking like 2006 yeah. um the catholic workers shutting down uh, the house that had been used for a women's shelter, the woman died, and the people running the Catholic Worker House offered the house to Simple House mm -hmm. if we took the residence, right? Yeah, right. And I'm living in Southeast D.C. off Minnesota Avenue running Simple House, and we need someone to live in this house, and that yeah. person is... Woo. Yeah. Right. Well, describe yeah. that house and that situation. <laughs> right. So, um, so this interrupts my like boho plans. Right. And, um, I was like not trying to move into there, but I felt like God was like kind of, you know, nagging me a little. So I move in. Um, I think I told you like, okay, like four or five months until we get another like full-time volunteer. Right. And, uh, this house was crazy. It was, uh, like, you know, years of people, uh, homeless people living there, all kinds of people living there. And, uh, I mean, th there was trash in the house. It was rat infested, like really, really rat infested. We think there um, was a pipeline of rats from the sewer getting in the house and we did everything we could to try to figure it out. We tore up floors, yeah. poured new concrete, tore up sidewalks, yeah. poured new concrete, and we could not keep yeah. rats from just invading the house. And they were all different rats. They weren't like they lived in the house. Yeah. They just visited. Yeah. I it mean, and horrible. we were like trapping rats. There was a closet that we called the rat hotel right. um, uh, because <laughs> it was so disgusting. I cleaned that closet. Yeah. 
So did I. <laughs> yeah, I, I, bet, I bet that closet was cleaned five times because it was so horrible. It was so horrible. I mean, you were um, shoveling the rat poop out of that closet. Basically. I mean, and the dead rats. It oh was, my gosh! It right, was we got to stop talking about this. Okay, right. right let's Sorry. talk about. Yes, I'm gonna. People. We had a couple great ladies who lived at the house that were your housemates. Yeah. Yeah, so um, one of the formerly homeless women, they actually, right before we moved in, she was, like, able to um, find, like, housing at a more suitable place uh, that was run by a different organization in the city. Um, but then there was, like, um, Lucy um, was living there, and she uh, was um, extremely paranoid. Um, I think her official... Um, I mean, she was officially diagnosed as schizophrenic um, later on, and uh, um, she did not trust us. She did not like us, and she said all kinds of, like, it, it was just crazy living with her. I felt um, like she started to like you, but, like, if someone left for very long at all, she would be convinced they died. And then when they came back, she would be like a ghost came, they don't know they're yeah, dead, you know? Yeah, right. So, yeah, one of her lines would be like, she doesn't know she should stay dead. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it was kind yeah. of creepy so, living with her. But yeah, she was really nice. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to... She was a very nice... She was very sweet, you know, in some yeah. ways. Yeah. And then... um. I, I, like, loved her to her annoyance, but, you know, I feel like I cracked the code, you know? Right, right. And <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that there was this guy who I would love to meet again. His name was, he had a great name. His name was Karma Wangchuk. And he had yeah. uh, helped uh, take care of them before we took over. And one of the things he did one day is we could never figure out how... Um, Lucy would get, like, cigarettes and things like that. We couldn't yeah. quite figure out what was going on. And so one day he waited until the beginning of the month when like disability payments would go out Yeah. and she hailed a cab. Is that right? Yeah. It was actually Lawrence figured this out. He oh, like followed her I in this truck. Carmo did. Okay. Okay. So well, Lawrence followed her and she goes all another... the way across town through this real wide twisty way telling the cabbie where to go. Yeah. Yeah. And ends like, up he at can like see... a liquor store. Right. Right. Yeah. And then there's like some exchange of like write this check and then she gets a bag of like you know weird old clothes and like uh and she throw away a, a big bag of her old clothes yeah and get a new bag of used clothes yeah. every month yeah and, then and she come would back like wear it for a month yeah right and, and yeah. this is like a complete mystery like we have no idea why this is happening <laughs> yeah. we don't know where who these people yeah. are but she lives with us right yeah and then we, started, so, so, I guess, we like we weren't her caretaker we were her roommates and it was right. none of our business what she was doing, and she made that clear. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> okay. So we didn't know she was being taken advantage of is yeah. part of the problem. Right, yeah, we were afraid of that. Mm -hmm. But then she got a guardian, right? Um. So, yeah, she had some uh, kind of health issues, and it became clear that we did need to do something, you know, about about that. And uh, so we, we contact the city and you know go through all these it was kind of a difficult thing to do a lot of phone calls a lot of you know uh people but she ends uh, up angry. with what like yeah. a um a, an asian woman who's a lawyer yeah so she right. and, and she, yeah and so she becomes her legal guardian and lucy hates her 
And we find out that Lucy knows a lot of racial, uh, a lot of racial slurs. <laughs> and the poor lawyer would come in, and you knew it wasn't Lucy's fault, but Lucy was just like laying her. Yeah, and it, you knew yeah. it wasn't the lawyer's fault, and you also knew that Lucy yeah. it wasn't really her fault because she was disabled so right. much. But uh, it was just yeah. like wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then eventually you became her guardian, right? Yeah. So uh, the lawyer uh, transferred guardianship um, to me. And um, yeah. And, you know, Ryan and I um, thought like when we whenever we moved, like, like into our family home that we would have her move with us. Like, you know, we wanted her living with us. And uh, so Ryan's a longtime Simbos missionary and Lord Ryan. Who eventually I eventually got married. married. Yeah. <laughs> Just that's like um, spoiler at the end of this. All right. Yeah, spoiler. Yeah. So um but <laughs> yeah, right, we so wanted her like we wanted her to live with us. We wanted our kids to grow up with her. Um but uh so this lawyer had helped her get some like medical care, but um uh eventually uh, she collapsed one day and um this was the first time we were ever able to get her to go to a hospital for them to get you know, like a full sort of idea of her medical issues. And so then we were able to use this as an opportunity to get her in a home where she could get more full-time medical care. And that was um, like what needed to happen. And it was also very sad. <laughs> um, and was there a mystery? Yeah. Was it her that um, the old Catholic worker house was called the Mary Harris Catholic worker house. And we started yes. to wonder if it was secretly named after Lucy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because and Lucy's I don't know what real the... name was Mary Harris. Is that right? Or what? It was Mary Lucille Harris. Yeah. Yeah. So that just blew yeah. our minds because we knew it was the old Mary Harris house. Yeah. Um. Uh, all right. So let's get, we kind of got off track. We're, yeah, we got off topic um, a little bit. But yeah, this was like an awesome time um living with lucy it was weird all this weird stuff would happen she would say all this crazy stuff and uh it was like i you know every night i'd be like make sure lucy would get in bed and then i'd go meet up with my friends and they'd be like what crazy thing happened today you know and um it was like a kind of fond time in my yeah um but this was all temporary in mm -hmm. some way, like you always felt like you being at Simple House was transition. You're kind of house sitting mm -hmm. for us. You were doing, mm -hmm. you were going to, you were doing work. You were like going to do yeah. missionary work and things like mm -hmm. this, doing the Simple House stuff. But you weren't like ever two feet in, yeah. right? Because no. you, it was just like, I'm doing this while Clark kind of gets this thing up and going. Yeah. Um, I'm a placeholder. Yeah. Right? And we, we even like recruited a couple more people to move in, you know. Right. Right. Uh, and then... You decide that you want to change something, so you decide to. So, um, yeah, I felt like I was, like, not, like, living the life I really wanted to be living. Like, I'm not, and it wasn't because of a simple house, but I felt like I wasn't, uh, I don't know, like, really, truly going for it or something <laughs> like that, you know? And I um, had a lot of friends in the city and was enjoying, you know, going out and, um, and you were also uncertain, you know, whenever someone, a young woman's religious, you have to always wonder if you're supposed to be a nun, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so that was you, a question you kind in of my go mind. On this, like boot camp nun experiment. Yeah. So I, uh, right. So I decide I'm going to go on like a retreat, um, that was not like meant to be specifically a discernment retreat, but that was like a question I had too. And I 
want to get out of the city, get away from, you know, temptations I had. And um, I feel I like met- retreat isn't really is kind of a yeah. misnomer. OK, I mean, yeah. You went all the way to Italy and stayed there for a month and we're going to stay longer. Right. I, I stayed for the entire like f- first day of Lent and left like Monday after Easter. OK. Yeah. So it was so, a hardcore Lent. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I I was hoping to like kind of grow in my faith, get some clarity, like kind of get away from temptation, you know, like step step out of the world a little bit, you know, or maybe like a going into the desert kind of experience. So that was the motivation. But what actually happened? So that went crazy. Um, and um, uh, the religious order. I was young and there were a lot of still, I think they're still dealing with some growing pains. Um, but there, there were certain individuals that I, um, would now say like were extremely emotionally, uh, manipulative and even abusive. And, um, I, uh, kind of went into a tailspin there. And And I remember you calling me during that period. Yeah, I was, and and I, I, like my sister, I remember calling you, calling my spiritual director, Father Pat, calling my sister, and, uh, like, she was, like, ready to come, like, get me. Yeah, I remember you you being, like, almost like, I'm losing my mind. I I mean, I was losing my mind. I was, it was crazy, yeah. And then I remember, um, you needed to come back home, and we, we couldn't get you home soon enough, basically, uh, and we're going to have to talk about this more in depth at some yeah. point because we need to talk about when religion goes wrong, when yeah. religion starts the reason getting cultish. I, I wouldn't go home was because I thought going home was running away from God. That was like the idea I had gotten in my head. Like it was like uh, they had put on me that I needed to be doing X, Y, Z. And if I left, it was like running from God, you know, and right. then everything would go. And I. I ended up leaving like five days before my, like, I was scheduled to go home because I was like, could not, could not, you know, it was like beyond my breaking point, you know, like I, I had broke, (laughs) but I, I, it was like, I couldn't. And I just like showed up at the airport and I was like, get me home, you know? And, uh, and I had to pick you up from the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Start with, and it so was you like could my, my parents for 30 parents, minutes before you walked in the door at your home. Yeah, before I saw my parents, <laughs> right? And it was like they they didn't know what had happened to me. Like it was it was I can't imagine for them, but I I was like totally so falling like, apart. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, we need to go into this more in depth at some yeah. point because this was really yeah. bad, and people need to be able to call a spade like a spade identify. if they ever yeah. get in a situation like this. Yeah, but that's not really the point of this one so we're saving that story uh but (laughs) you this is also not really a conversion moment this is almost like a conversion setback it's yeah it's a setback um and it's like it's like painful to go to church for the whole following year because i think i have this like uh kind of my mind has this mental block that like god is after me and he wants something from me i can't give you know and so i was like kind of going to church being like la 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 you know like i was trying to like block it out because i had this idea that was like not from god of what i thought god wanted and i like couldn't give it and it was extremely painful and it was emotionally 
tiring and it, it, it was, it was like a really hard time. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like yeah. maybe I'll say this cause you didn't say it. It was a lot of yeah. uncontrollable sobbing. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like I would walk down the street and hear you from down the street sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that I, sounds yeah, weird, but was, like I remember other people no, in our was, community were yeah. like, "What's going to happen?" I'm like, "We just got to give this time, got to figure yeah. this out," you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I went to therapy for all that year. Like that was I remember thinking like this is a spiritual problem, this isn't a psychological problem. But there, there was like one day where I like called my dad and I was like, "I can't like." I don't know what to do, you know? And, um, and he said, you're going to go see a psychologist. And, Great. And it and was I both. Said, it was like, yeah. it was like a spiritual oh, yeah, totally, problem that caused totally. a psychological problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, right. They're so, not so separated. <laughs> so then yeah. it like, I, I shouldn't be the narrator, I guess, but I yeah, want to get ahead. here to move this. You kind of got back on your even keel and then, or mostly on an even keel, and then yeah. we had this interesting opportunity where a uh, reporter from the Washington Post came, who we love. We're so friends yeah. with her. Her name's Dara Johnson. Great reporter. Although the, the story <laughs> we have mixed feelings about, but great reporter. Right. And she like was for Washington Post magazine and had the ability to like embed with us for almost a month, I think. Yeah. At least two mm -hmm. weeks. I think it might have been a long a time. Month. No, it was a long time. Yeah. And um, we, I think it's 2008. And... Uh, she kind of embeds with us. I remember driving around with her, talking to her all the time, stuff like that, right? And at the end of this, um, she publishes this story. Yeah. Where Laura becomes the cover girl on Washington Post magazine. This was like, like so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. It was kind yeah. of embarrassing because <laughs> Laura was like the three-dimensional person at Simple House. Yeah. Because... Uh, it literally said you had like stiletto heels <laughs> and like monk sandals or something. Or yeah, flip -flop, yeah, and you had yeah. to like choose between the nightlife and <laughs> the holiness. Yeah. And uh, I was called a a uh, Boy Scout, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I wasn't treated the worst. Like there were other people in our community no, who I were just like kind of it, brushed like, over real friends. quick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it, it caused a couple some problems in our friends. community the way we were all portrayed. But uh, I kind of embarrassed the guy I was dating. It was like, eh, right. Yeah. It probably yeah. also got you some guys asking you out though, because you were. It did. So, so that article comes out. Literally, you're the cover girl on the Washington Post, right? Uh, yeah. Was it true? Like this idea of having like a foot in both worlds with the stiletto heels on one hand and the sandals on the other. Right. So I wasn't like uh, glamming it up and going out to the club. Um, like I was not that kind of party girl maybe. Right. But I was, I was like going out a lot with my friends. Um, and I, I had like this kind of like core group of, uh, friends that I, I was drinking a lot with and um it was uh yeah it it was all like we were like having fun but i was i was drinking too much and i um i, I remember you saying that like you could kind of keep up with these guys and you're not a very yeah. large woman i i am five two right, right. and i was and so uh, and these guys were six you know pretty big guys yeah, and they were no over problem. six feet they were like pretty big dudes and i right. was like you know 
uh, I was, I was like keeping up with them and, um, it was too much. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know if I totally understand everything, but it, it was like social. It was, I was like looking for fun, you know, and I was probably not like very good at, um, you know, I was like the little sister that was like tired, but trying to like stay awake, you know, with the older siblings or something like, and, um, yeah, I, I had like a hard time saying like, I need to go home now, or I should not keep drinking with these guys. Um, so, um, I remember thinking it wasn't like obviously a bad thing. It wasn't, um, you were still being a good, uh, community member for the most part. It was, it was hurting you, but it wasn't, um, and you were also still being a good missionary in a way. They were saying about it, like, I, I'm struggling to say that it was both bad and not terrible, in a sense. Like, it was holding you back. But it, yeah. it reminded me of, like, G.K. Chesterton, where it's like, there's kind of a celebration of having a pint at the pub. And it's kind of the right. celebration uh, way of living, which is has a point, you know, but it, as yeah. a way of life, it's kind of the opposite almost of a St. Francis, you know? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah, it was like, I, right. I was like having fun. I was whatever, uh, there was like some kind of level of happiness, like from hanging out with my friends, you know, but I, I was hanging out with a lot of people that were not Christian or pursuing the Christian life, uh, during this time. And, I, you know, so, which isn't bad it, in and of itself. It could be actually good. No, but but it's like if I maybe went to the bar to have a beer with a friend that was like one of my Christian friends, you know, we'd have a couple beers, not a whole bunch of beers, you know? Okay. Um, so, I remember you saying like we were talking about it because it was starting to interfere with some of the stuff at Simple House. And I remember you being like, yeah. my problem is that at midnight I should go home. But then someone offers to move the party. And I think now is the difference between a good night and an epic night. Epic. (laughs) Right. But really, it almost was never epic. epic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was almost never epic. And then you couldn't do anything the next day because you came home at four or something like that. (laughs) Right. Right. No, exactly. And it's like, yeah, you know, uh, like now it's kind of like, oh, remember that night, you know, or whatever with some friends. But, Right. Like they were like epically bad is what they always were, you know, always epically bad. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like it was just like, right. Why, why, why did I stay up? You know, um, it was like not ever worth it, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So we're kind so, of painting this, but this actually became a big problem. Okay. It can be your main spiritual thing you were going to work on. Yeah, like I, I felt like I, this was holding me back. I wanted to stop. I didn't totally like, like I didn't like the way I was acting. I didn't like who I was, you know, when I had too much to drink, and I, um, and I felt like I was like had these two pools, and like one of them was God, and one was like, you know, <laughs> the world, and this was like causing a lot of like interior tumult. Um, but I felt like I couldn't, like, uh, something was holding me back from like giving myself all the way over to God, even though I knew that was like the thing that would make me happy, you know? Um, and, uh, I felt like life was going to have to be this like kind of compromise, like this sad compromise or something. Um, 
So, um, so what changed yeah. now? Now we're back on path, you know, like what yeah. was the thing that went differently? So, um, there had been times where I'd been like, okay, I'm not going to drink for the month of February or something shortest month of the year. Um, or like not going to drink this Lent. And it always like something would always like thwart it. And, uh, this kind of made me feel like a failure. <laughs> um, but, um, I, uh, one specific Lent, I decided like, okay, I'm doing it this year. I'm like, not going to drink this Lent. And, um, at the time I was hanging out a lot with this friend who was not Catholic or trying to live a Christian life or whatever, but he, he was interested in spirituality and took spirituality, like, like, like he took it seriously, you know, that someone would make a commitment and they ought to keep it. Um, and so, um, where I had been like more lax about kind of these commitments that I had made in the past, he like took it seriously that I said I wasn't going to drink all these days. And, um, so we keep hanging out. Um, and it's like, I was like going to the bar with my friends, but like not trying not to drink. And, uh, if somebody would be like, Hey, you want a beer or whatever? I'd be like, eh. and he'd be like, no, <laughs> don't offer her a beer. She's not drinking. She's made a promise to God. And it was like, kind of this like dramatic, you know, embarrassing thing. Um, but it was this friend that like held me accountable and there's like a lot of like, uh, kind of graces came through this, like, uh, for me personally, but also like that there were just like, he was like very vocal about it, which like really embarrassed me. But then like people were like coming up to me at bars being like, I used to be Catholic and this makes me think maybe I should do something for Lent or, you know, and like lots of people, not just when, uh, there was a friend of mine who, um, owned a bar and I think he was like kind of depressed and his like, didn't like where his life was. And he said, like, told me later on that because of that, he like quit drinking for five months. And so it was like, there were a lot of graces for a lot of people. And, um, I was also like, you know, uh, I, I had had a regular ish prayer life, but, you know, staying up late and like getting up early to pray are not totally compatible. And so then I like really like, I'm like really like going for it with my prayer life and like praying a lot. And, um, I had had this like thing holding me back that I couldn't give myself fully to God. And I was afraid, um, like being at a simple house, it was like kind of a weird life. I thought like, no one's going to want to marry me because <laughs> I'm doing this weird thing. And how would I find someone like, I, I don't know. It, it Basically, I was able to say like, yes, God, I am here. I am serving you. I'm doing this. And who cares if I don't get married and who cares if my life is like never, you know, what I, whatever. It, it was just like, I was able to fully give myself over to God during this Lent and, um, so that's kind of like, so we started the story in about the year 2000, mm -hmm. right? Uh, meeting yeah. the FPO friar uh, mm -hmm. on the mall or, uh, or during the March yeah. for Life, Union right? Station, yeah, right, yeah. Okay. And we're ending, and, and that being a big turning point for you. Yeah. And then this Lent 
uh, with your friend who uh, went into bars with you and yelled at people not to let you drink. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of this is kind of the capstone of this, right? Yeah. And I know a lot of life has happened since then, like you've gotten married, yeah. you're now a mother of yeah it, it was because of this like uh this kind of like full yes and then it was like after that i woke up on a wednesday morning and i was like oh like god is giving me everything and i should just go marry ryan who is a fellow volunteer and it like it was just like my whole life unfolded like i said that yes and everything just like opened up in front of me you and know? in hindsight it's obvious because <laughs> ryan's such a good catch it was like obvious to everyone except for me and him, I guess. <laughs> like everyone knew for years. Apparently my grandmother had met him years before and was like, why doesn't Laura marry right. him? And all these other yeah. women are heartbroken yeah. because you took yes, that I opportunity took him, finally. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. yeah. But it was like my whole life unfolded in front of me. Like it was like God was handing it over. Like here it is. Here's everything you ever wanted. Well, that's great. Um Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of little stories about the starting a simple house. We can go into another podcast, yeah. but uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Anything you want to leave <laughs> us with? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, those are like the turning points, right? But yeah, there's a lot. So of, there's a lot of other stuff in there. And part of your role since. in my life, and hopefully in this podcast as we move on, is you've kind of been a great sounding board and you also kind of keep me from being as dumb or crazy as I would naturally be <laughs> like you're a little bit of a moderating force. Um, right. and it's just interesting to hear your, you know, what you were going through during your time at, you know, the first seven years of simple house, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I was kind of going through something different at the same time, but we were friends yeah. during the, all of it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so anyway, good. Um, come back with a new podcast after this one sounds great all right well Thanks. god bless and signing off all right you too